Welcome to the Book Business Boss Show, hosted by Julia Royston, helping you get your message to the masses, turn your words into wealth, and be a book business boss. Well, hello and welcome to the Book Business Boss Show. I'm Dr. Julia Royston of VK Royston Publishing, Royal Media and Publishing, and the coaching community, the Book Business Bosses, where we help you get your message to the masses, turn your words into wealth, and be a book business boss. So we have, for quite a few episodes, have been talking about the the writing process, um, how to actually uh, write your book. And that's one of the main things that I really want for um, the Book Business Boss Show is that uh, we cover the literary uh, industry, the literary community. Um, As I've stated earlier and will continue to state, I really want this uh, Book Business Boss show to be a portfolio, uh, an outpouring of my heart, uh, my experiences, good, bad, and ugly, uh, in the writing and literary and publishing and promotion and events. And we have a lot to cover, but I really wanted to start from the beginning. So if you go back on any of the replays, go to Book Business Boss podcast.com and you'll be able to hear the the replays of this show and believe you me if you reach out to me in regards to something I may uh, refer it back to uh, one of the podcast episodes because that is just um, a place where I really 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 uh, poured my heart out uh, into and really want to not only just pour my heart out but I just don't want you to have to and have had made the mistakes that I did, or um, even gone down the road, some other authors that I helped to, as they say, you know, when you see somebody going the wrong direction, no, don't go this way. I want to do the exact same thing. So that's what the Book Business Boss Show is all about. Um, So I spread the word, uh, tune in, listen to the replays, whatever it is that is going to help you along your writing journey. Um, I do know that that writing is is very popular these days, and I'm encouraging people to write books. Um, if you have a coaching business or you're a speaker, especially if you're a speaker and you're a preacher and your ministry um, has a message uh, in addition to uh, Jesus saves um, and that God has really given to you and poured down into your heart. Um, you definitely need a book. So uh, one of the um, main genres um, that people ask me about all the time is writing their story, the their memoir or autobiographical story. And um, I'm very sensitive to that because everybody does have a story. That's number one. Um, we've all gone through things. We've all gone through situations. We've all gone through circumstances that are horrific. Uh, we have gone through ups and downs, bankruptcies, divorce, uh, loss, fires, death. Um, now a global pandemic. <laughs> if you survive that, if not, you've had a lot of loss. I've lost family members and I know you have too. So there's a lot that we've experienced in life. But the story is not uh, and should not be designed um, to just, number one, that I always ask people, 
Are you striving to tell the story just to air your dirty laundry? Or do you really want to help somebody? And that's something that's really take a pause to think about. Because there are sometimes you're telling your story just to heal you, just to get it off your chest. And you're still angry. You're still hurt. You're still disgusted about it. Um, some things happened when you were a child, you had no control over it. Um, some of some people were molested. Some people uh, were uh, abused in many different horrific ways. Um, some things were just horrific of we had to move. We lost everything in a fire and we had to move. And my life, as I know it, uh, was changed. Some people have had death in their family, as I mentioned earlier. Daddy died and and we lost the house. Mama never did work and we lost daddy's income. And so we had to move. We had to move in with my aunt and uncle and, and my auntie was abusive. My uncle was abusive, whatever that looks like. So, but I believe as a faith-based person, now I have to speak as a faith-based person. As a faith-based person, I do not believe um, that anything that you go through is uh, for nothing. Um, I believe that God does, Romans 8, 28, work all things together for good. And um, so it is a process. It is a journey. But to be able to tell that story um, can be healing for you, but it can be deliverance for somebody else. It can be healing for you, but it can be a warning for somebody else. It can be healing for you. It can be information for somebody else for the warning signs, um, point out situations, um, um, point out help with parenting skills. Some people, you know, don't even, you know, they don't see the red flags. They're not aware of red flags. They're too trusting. Um, and so therefore your story can really be uh, not only healing and therapeutic for you, but can also be deliverance for someone else. So I, I warn people to really think about that even before we move further. You know, when, when I first started off in publishing, I was just excited that um, people would just, I was just honored and humbled that people would uh, want me to help them with their story and help them with their book. But now I look at the long haul. I look at the, all the ramifications, who's involved, who are, who are you and what do you bring um, to this, uh, to the story? How do you want it delivered? Um, are you going to start a nonprofit? Are you going to start um, uh, uh, speaking and coaching and mentoring uh, other people? What what do you want this story to mean to other people? And I ask if you if you schedule an appointment with me at talkwithroyston.com, I'm going to be asking. And you want to write an autobiographical book, and you say I want my story. Number one, I want to know why, um, and not just the details of the story. But I want to know why. I want to know uh, what your point is and what your purpose is. Um, you know, is this, I know it's all healing and therapeutic, but are you striving to help somebody else? Or are you trying to get back at somebody else? If that be the case, then we need to schedule a time for you to find a therapist or find um, someone else to help you get over it. But if it's really designed to help somebody else and really um, shine a light or in a horrific situation so that changes can be made, so that organizations that help you heal from that 
help you um, get delivered from that can be partnered with. So people get the help, help and the wholeness and the healing that they need. Then I'm all for it. I'm all with it. Um, you know, I have a, um, uh, a client who has written her story about her daughter and um, uh, Cassandra Lanier. And, and, you know, if you've followed me on social media at all, you know, uh, we call ourselves the Fab Five Sisters. Uh, we've suffered loss. We suffered grief. My Mine was, of course, my father, who uh, I look like and do so many things of his. And the other four ladies, um, they have lost a, a child, a biological child. And uh, one of the things that even uh, Cassandra Lanier's story has really, of course, shined a light on her daughter and her love for her daughter. But it also has connected with um, people who are our donors, who are, it has shined a light on that organization to, um, in the midst of your grief, in the midst of your own pain, she has incorporated, and now because of her partnership uh, with the donors associations who are seeking for donors for others, um, um, donating, uh, donating organs for others, she's created a whole um, uh, organization and partnership and family and uh, because of her her daughters donating her organs. So it has just blossomed into something uh, much bigger. We all hurt for the loss of her daughter. She does. We all do. Um, every time we see pictures, we do. But, but um, God has turned it into something even bigger beyond um, just her daughter and people that her daughter will never meet, but she's impacted and shown love and, and, and caused to be a light and a life for other people that, you know, that are thankful and appreciative, but never met her. So, you know, it's, it's those kinds of, um, things that you see like, oh God, I had no idea. I mean, I was in my pain. I was in my trauma, but God, you wanted to, um, spread it, share it, and so that it can benefit somebody else. Now, those kind of stories, I don't have any problem um, with helping people develop, but I just want to tell the story. No, I don't want to speak. No, I don't, I don't want to be on social media. No, I don't want to partner with any organization. No, I don't want to point out any solutions or help other family members or all that. Then, then we have an issue. So I really, I take a lot of time with that because I know a lot of people want to share their story and, um, and, and I'm cool with that. And I believe that, you know, the scripture also tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So telling your testimony is powerful. It is impactful, but it has to be meaningful. It has to be intentional and it has to be intentional in a way that makes sure that what your intention is, is to help somebody else to point uh, a direction, give information, get insight, give enlightenment, and, and also point to a God um, uh, who can heal and deliver and set free anything. Point to a, a method and a solution, the lessons learned, all of that should come out and happen when you're seeking um, to tell your story. Um, we'll take a break right here and I'll be back with more. So BK Royston Publishing realizes that your schedule is busy, everybody's schedule is busy, but the need to be learning 
and growing and giving and exchanging and receiving resources and ideas is critical. So visit bkroystonstore.com with more than 21 courses to help you continue to grow and know, lead and be a leader. bkroystonstore.com, learning online, learning anytime. bkroystonstore.com. And we're back. I hope that helps you and uh, helps you think just the processing of telling your story. Uh, also with the Fab Five, Ms. Karen Brown um, is, is, of course, telling her uh, memoir, autobiographical story. And it took some time to do. It took some time to write because um, you, when you're writing that story, you are reliving those parts uh, of that story that were horrific. You can um, see it in your mind's eye. Um, sometimes smells uh, you're sensitive to, sometimes uh, your um, physical body even goes through um, the memories of, of abuse or neglect. Emotionally, it can take you into an upheaval. So that's always the second thing. First off is intentional. Second law, second off, uh, are you emotionally prepared um, for what can happen? Because repeating that story over and over again, can be healing and can be uh, helpful for you over time. You have to be in a place to be able to do that. And it takes time to be able to do that. And I know that with her first book, um, it took a year, a year and a half uh, before she was able to really uh, write it and let it go for us to do, uh, for us to publish it. And when it is a story that involves loss and death and grief, it takes time for that. And fortunately, um, God has given me discernment to be able to know that, that, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm ready to tell my story, but then in the middle of it, oh my goodness, it all comes rushing back to you. Those emotions come rushing back to you. Those feelings come rushing back to you. Now, I'm not trying to scare you into not writing it. I'm not trying to um, tell you not to write autobiographical stories because they have been some of the most powerful stories that, and I've had people come to my vendor events and to the table when I've been at vendor events and say, okay, I like to read about people's biograph autobiographical stories and things of that nature. That's not my first interest, but it is for other people. And I'm happy to oblige. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to help. Uh, because there are people who do receive encouragement and strength and and um, courage to move forward when they read about someone else's story. But it does have, one, your intention and realizing that people may want more from you. Number two, it will take you through an emotional roller coaster, up and down and all around. So realize that that's a possibility and that can definitely happen. So the other parts that I really want you to think about when actually writing it is um, the setting. Even though um, it is your uh, real life autobiographical uh, story, and even though it is um, deemed as nonfiction, you still have to set it. You still have to give us 
the background a little. You don't have to tell every uh, every detail, but we still have to know where it's set. So are you in the Pacific Northwest where it's tall trees, um, damp weather and um, snow and mountains, skiing and water, river rapids and all of that? Or are you in the red dirt south where it's hot uh, probably 10 months out of the year and it rarely gets cold? So um, are you uh, in Florida where you're right there on the balmy beaches or, you know, are you in the coal mines of West Virginia? Where are you and where is that set? Um, Giving people a um, verbal uh, word visual of the setting really uh, makes sense. Even using some of the uh, verbiage. I always remind editors too that if it's something that's a historical nature and it does have culture uh, uh, associated with it. Some of those cultures are not going to be uh, perfect grammatical English. Uh, the ain't and I gonna and I wanna may be included in there. And please keep it in there because we want that flavor for this particular book. If you're talking about a 90-year-old lady in um, Southern Mississippi, she is not going to be using necessarily proper English. Some do, and I'm not going to say all, but she, but as a culture, especially African-American culture, they're not, um, not traditionally. So therefore you, you edit that totally different and you're looking at that totally different. Um, so when we have it set, we know uh, basically where it was, it was done. We know where the person lived. Um, describe the house. Was it a house? Did you live in the projects? Did you live in a farm? Did you live in a trailer? Was it an apartment? What does it look like? What what is? Because you have to create that visual. And then um, next, when you're thinking about your uh, life story, you cannot include, um, and you know most adults don't have the capacity to really. Um, include every single solitary um, day of your life, an hour and minute of the day. It's just too much. It's just definitely too much. Now, I know the memoirs of the presidents, they go through a lot of the errors of their presidency. I get that. Um, uh, I uh, purchased um, President Obama's uh, memoirs and it was over 700 pages. But unless you're the Obamas, people are not going to read 700 pages. I'm, I promise you that. So that, that's just my uh, publisher angle. But when you're thinking about what to include in your uh, autobiographical uh, book, make sure that you include five to seven, maybe even 10 major turns. So when I started at the beginning of this episode and I started talking about um, death in the family changed everything. Daddy lost his job. The um, plant moved and we had to go south and live on a farm. And I was from the East Coast. Uh, you know, uh, we had a fire. Um, uh, Big Mama died and left us a lot of money and we moved and we this happened. Uh, I was molested by Uncle This One. Uh, auntie so-and-so, you know, did this to me and and 
Um, you know, or even as an adult, I married the wrong guy. My mama told me don't marry him. And I married him anyway. And this is what happened. So major turns. I had a wonderful life till I was 12. And at 12 o'clock, this happened. I mean, 12 o'clock, I'm sorry. 12 years old, I apologize. At 12 years old, this happened. And then 16, I got a car and 18, I met a guy, the wrong guy, or I met some friends and, and I didn't realize there was drugs in her purse. And you know, those major turns. And I ended up in jail from 21 to 26, you know, those kinds of major, major merger turns. Or, you know, I met a guy at 21 and had a wonderful uh, five years. We lived happily ever after until one day we went to the uh, doctor and they said, he's got stage four cancer and he only has six months to live. And I've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old. You know, it's those kinds of major, major turns. It doesn't always have to be abuse. It doesn't always have to be, um, you know, it can be anything. But think about the major turns that have happened uh, in your life to be able to include that were life transformational. They just changed everything about you. And, you know, you you were um, really transformed into a different world. Um, you were stretched, you were expanded, you grew, you uh, were able to venture out and do some things you thought you would never do. And they could be great things. You know, I, I can think of some, a few turns in my life that were uncomfortable and unpleasant and all of that. But then I can think of a few turns like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. God, you're that great. You're that awesome. You're that phenomenal that you would let that happen in my life. Those major turns, major decisions, major times that you heard him speak. Okay. I hope that helps you today. I'm Dr. Julia Royston. I know we have much more to to talk about and we will moving forward, but this has been um, the Book Business Ball Show. I'm Dr. Julia Royston, helping you get your message to the masses, turn your words into wealth and be a book business boss. You be blessed and have an awesome day. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the Book Business Boss Show. For more information on how you can become a book business boss, visit www.bookbusinessbosses.com. That's bookbusinessbosses.com. Defender, I'm holding on to
Hi, my name is Dr. Kendra Royston, president and founder of Stupid Science Incorporated, where it is our mission to help encourage and inspire underrepresented students to continue their pursuit of STEM careers. Now, some of you may not be familiar with the term STEM, but it's something that we in the field use to serve as a shorthand to refer to science, technology, engineering, and mathematics careers. We at Stupid Science hope to lessen the financial burden of students who have an interest in these fields because no one will do the research about us, care about us, and make the advancements that we need to help the people in our community more so than us. So, if you would like to contribute to our scholarship fund, you can visit us at www.stupidscienceinc with a C, not a K, dot org, or email us at stupidscienceinc at gmail.com. 